It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor. It's presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati, joined as always by Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal, Rick Roaring from uh, Musketeer Report. We'll get to the uh, the Sean Miller portion of the story here in just a little bit, and we kind of touched on a lot of the fallout on Friday, so we are probably not going to completely revisit that, but we certainly have to talk about the uh, the allegations against Sean Miller. But let's start with uh, a couple of teams um, getting getting some big wins today. You see, um, hang on a minute. Oh, somebody just made another three. Was it? Completely? It was wild. I, that first ten minutes. It looked like it was a game of horse. Well, it's yeah. like, it it's really like we've been saying about this UC team all year. They can shoot the lights out. It's just if they could get stops, they just, would probably be great. I mean, they'd be the they best were, team in the country. they were any good defensively, yeah, I mean, that's I mean, what they, it is. They've been shooting the lights out all year. <laughs> that really was nuts. Well, yeah, it was really good to see Jaron Cumberland and Jacob, Jacob Evans, Evans making come shots. back to life and, and start to find their, their rhythm from the perimeter because that's been an issue over the past two and a half, three weeks. So to see both of them kind of jump back to life – uh, Kane Broom obviously shot well again. Um, that was a a very positive uh, sight for Bearcat fans because that very easily the way Tulsa played that first ten minutes could have been a twenty. And Gary Clark got in foul trouble. Twenty four to eight, right? Uh, if, situation. Yeah, if UC doesn't match them, it, it is. Tw- if UC plays offensively like they have for stretches. Um, it could have very easily been an 18-point game again, just now, like the Houston game. Now Tulsa is, you know, in the 130s in defense, so uh, not exactly a uh, a crisp defensive effort from them, but Cincinnati got good looks. They stepped into them. They were clean, and they knocked them down, which has been a problem. They've been missing open shots, so to see them get hot like that was uh, was definitely a good sign that hopefully they're getting back on track. And I know that's what people are going to say, too, is like, okay, it's Tulsa. Let's see it against – but. Either way, as a UC fan, it's got to be a good sign to see those guys, like you said, with Jacob especially, see him get a shot going and get some confidence going again. Yeah, I think, you know, they, they, they Mick said in the post game, they went over some video on him and Jaron um, and what had gone, you know, what was off, what they needed to fix, what they needed to work on. And clearly both those guys did it and, and, and fixed what was ailing them in terms of, you know, getting the ball up above the rim. Uh, some of that, I'm sure, is you know you get late in the season, your legs Let's get go. a little. Yeah, your shot gets flatter. Your shot gets flat, and that's if you watch their shots were flat. Well, Jaron, especially, I noticed it more with him than I did with Jacob. You're, you're closer to it than I am, but I, I really noticed it with Jaron that it looked like his legs he, weren't in it. Like he was shooting everything upper body, and yeah. it was a line drive. And and for him, a lot of times he's not shooting it at 20 feet. He's shooting it at 23, 24, 25 feet, and not really even coming close. Well, yeah, he, he, he airballed one today. As a matter of fact, that one was. It was way overshot. Yeah, it was deep. Yeah, um, as, but I'll take that as opposed to his problem is he the ball was never above the rim, right? And, and he looked really good today. He was I really he confident. Uh, and Jacob as well. It's good to see those two get going. Good to see this team survive. You know, twelve minutes without Gary Clark and outside of an absolutely horrendous call on a clean block shot that resulted in a technical that the official admitted. Yeah, but th- th- that. It. That's going to set Mick off more than anything else. The guy coming over and being like, my bad. Well, hey, guess what? They get two free throws. I got a technical because you're an idiot. Right. They get two more free throws, and they get the basketball. Just, just tell me that from the get-go. All you have to do is say, look, I missed it, coach. My bad. But he wasn't the one that teed know, him up. The guy standing right. there next to him is the one that teed yeah, him up. It's just stupid. Just stupid. What, what happened was it took him a few minutes to replay it. 
when they replayed it on the video board, yeah. that's when the guy walked over and was like, I missed it. Yeah, no crap. It was one of the cleanest blocks you'll ever see. I will ask, to start the second half, Tulsa also kind of extended the lead, too. Yeah, out to eight. Did, did you start to feel uneasy? Because it looked like it was coming really easy for Tulsa, too. Um, and it's, that's the stage where you're like, is UC going to keep matching this like they did in the first half? Yeah, to an extent. Uh, they were in the middle of, you know, they tried. They went away from the switching man uh, at the beginning. They went to hedge and recover, and they lit that up. And then they went to the uh, matchup match zone. Up, yeah. And then they lit that up, and finally, he made a great move, and I think this is kind of what they probably should have done uh, a couple games sooner, is instead of taking Kyle out and putting Brooks in, took Kyle out and put Trey Scott in, and that allowed them, if you're going to play that switching, you know, matchup kind of hybrid defense, especially against a team that's got two smaller, like two forwards playing. Yeah, match match their quickness. You match their quickness, and it completely shut down. I mean, Tulsa only scored... 27 points on 34% shooting in the second half. So. Yeah, and even less than that because it was 52 pretty quick. It was 52 yeah. by what? four, Maybe even by the first media time. First media, the, yeah. Well before the first media yeah. time, I believe. So, I mean, it was a situation where, yeah, you got a little bit concerned, uh, but they figured them out defensively and they were able to make the adjustments. And uh, But it, it's good to see them win a game with offense because if the offense <gasps> doesn't play. That's blaspheme, Rick Roaring. <laughs> if the offense doesn't play well, they get beat today. Because Tulsa came to play. I mean, they they won six in a row. They'd won six in a row. They were playing pretty well. And as we talked about, I thought they played with a lot of confidence. Yeah, as we've talked about with them, they're they're a weird team because one, they've gotten there's no question their record has gotten fat on beating the bottom portion of the league. And some of those games have been close where you think they're not very good. And then they play Wichita and only lose by three. And and you know they've got some other games in there that you think. This team's really hard to figure out because some nights they have it and other nights they're terrible. And today was one of those days, offensively at least, for most of the game that they had it. And Cincinnati was able to just kind of take that spurt after they answered and went on a 17-2 run and kind of turned the tables on them. And uh, two big threes, one from Jacob Evans, one from Kane Broom, to turn a tie game into a six-point game. And that gave them the separation. And then from there, just how about – they quit with a minute thirty. That was weird. I, Did you I, see that? I, I, I didn't. Well, I didn't mind them not fouling at that point because it was still an eight point game. It was an eight point game. You but get us, but you get a stop. You go down, bang a three. It's five. Then maybe you start the foul. And they had some fouls to give too, right? They yeah. had two fouls to give. They, yeah, the they were only at four. Was, they go down and make a, a minute lay, left. Yeah, and then don't foul, and then don't foul in the last thirty seconds. They just let UC dribble the clock out. It I, was weird. I don't. Look, were you going to come back from eight down in thirty seconds? Probably not. But I'm not a big. Look how they were shooting three. I know I'm not a. You don't you don't give up at that stage. That was that was weird. I found it very odd. I think Frank had the nineteen and a half. He was comfortably inside the number. (laughs) What what a weird line that was. I I don't know. It's just because of what I think what UC has done at home to teams. They've steamrolled teams. Yeah, and and you don't expect them to come in and and right go crazy from three like that. But uh, I saw that open at eighteen and a half, and I was like, yeah, I think it closed at nineteen and a half actually. So there you go. The only regret that they weren't able to get Gary out there in the last minute, maybe standing out. Maybe yeah. I mean, you could have, I guess, taken a timeout and got him out. But I think they. Yeah, I'm thinking he probably thinks they're going to foul. Yeah, he had to think that. Like, why, why would you not think that? They had. 
three or four different opportunities to start fouling, and they just decided. Well, Jacob just, Evans stood at midcourt for what eighteen? If either been a five count, he'd have gotten four or five counts. Yes, I mean he just stood there dribbling, yeah. and the, the guy just stand, stood there looking at him. That it, was that was weird. We've heard so much about this day coming. What was the atmosphere like yeah. for their senior day? It was it was really good. Um, yeah, you kind of feel bad for Kyle because any other year he, he gets a little more. He gets a little bit more celebration. Um, but you have to understand. I mean, he understands. Yeah. I mean, Gary's just a, a beloved human in this town at this point in time. Um, it was really good. Um, the crowd was crowd was excellent. He got obviously a huge ovation when he came out, and then um, this is the first time they've done this. They had him come over after the players were in the media room when Mick was done. They had Gary come over, and Gary kind of broke down on the radio, and that oh, was wow. played over the speakers. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is a really, you know, a really cool moment. Um, it was, it was good. I mean, it was kind of, kind of deflating to see him get those two fouls quick. Yeah, but he got a, really. He got. I thought the two big buckets in the lane that in the caught, second half. Yeah, that the, kind of put yeah. the game away, though. Yeah, it just it, because you know everybody's there to see him, and he goes to the bench with two fouls six minutes in. It kind of yeah was a little bit deflating, and that game was just it was so. Bang three, bang three, bang three, bang three. Like the, the, the ebb and flow of it was kind of awkward, yeah, at least it, early. Possessions weren't more than 10, 12 seconds on either side. No, man. no. So it was um, it was really good. And I would, you know, kind of you wish you could have got that, that ovation for him to bring him out at the end. But uh, for whatever reason, they, they decided not to do that. I'd have maybe caught a timeout with 10 seconds left and just told the refs, you know, it's running. Yeah. Just stop. I want to sub. I just want to sub. I just want to sub. Uh, maybe would have done that, but I guess his brain just wait. I'm sure he was kind of probably looking at what are they doing? Yeah, well, he, you started, quit. You just quit. Yeah, it was it was a little a little bizarre. Okay, so so Tulane is next, and let's let's assume for argument's sake they they will get past Tulane. Um, at that point now, to avoid this loss, um, good avoid yeah, the Tulane important. loss. You pretty much put yourself almost dead set on the three line with maybe a chance at the two if you beat Wichita and and probably. At least get to the finals of the conference tournament. Yeah, I would think. I mean, you're, you're I, gonna I think lock. at least at this stage, if you beat Tulane, I think you cement a three, right or wrong. Probably, I would. Agree. I can't see them with the way everything sets up. I couldn't see imagine them dropping to a four for losing at Wichita State. I wouldn't think so. As of as of this morning, bracket matrix had him as the number two three seed with Texas Tech, which just lost at home to Kansas, um, and is not going to win the Big Twelve. It looks like Kansas has a two game lead with two they games won't to play. Take a hit, Texas Tech. No, but I don't think. I don't think they they move ahead of UC in any no, way, shape, or form. No, no, my no. point is, I'm looking at teams below that could yeah. climb above. Tennessee is is below. Arizona is the first four seed. They're coming off of a loss in overtime to Oregon with all the 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 headaches. Now Wichita is right now a number two four seed. In theory, maybe you could flip flop them in Cincinnati, depending on how things shake out over the next week. Yeah, plus. but that but would this, be. A, I mean, to flip flop them, you're dropping Cincinnati uh, five yeah. six spots. That, yeah, I, yeah, you drop them four or five. Yes, correct. I don't know about that. I don't either. I'm. Uh, I mean, maybe both of them get a three. Maybe that's the fair. Maybe they end up, who knows, tied for the league championship, get to the championship game, and the only way to do it is make them both a three seed. Uh, kind of like last year when they made both SMU and UC a six seed. I wouldn't disagree with that. Now, they'll make them both a four because you get the American dock to seed line. Although, the last number I did see was eight teams in the American above 100 in the RPI, which last year there were three. So, yeah. that is a, a drastic improvement in terms of you know what the metrics look like for everybody. All right, we'll skip over Xavier for just a second. We will get back to them because they had something go good for them despite not playing this weekend. Let's touch, though, on the NKU Norse. 
Uh, last we spoke on Friday, you were heading to an establishment to watch Wright State play an 11 a.m. game against IUPUI. Did it get rowdy? Dickman's drink. <laughs> yes. Dickman's Northern Kentucky Sports Bar. Yeah. Um, it, it was a good crowd, good NKU crowd. They were there. But the biggest thing to me is Wright State loses early in that day, 11 o'clock to IUPUI. Which opens the door. Completely chokes a game away. Opens the door for NKU to walk through it and have control of their own destiny. Yeah, so you get control of your own destiny for two games in a row where you've just got to take care of business, and you should win both. And NKU came out and just just dominated. Both both sides of the ball, the first halves they played in each of the games Friday and Sunday. Well, but, but UIC was a 61-61 game, though. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. But NKU came out and kicked their ass for the first half. Yes. Came out with a totally focused effort, play as well as they have all season in that first half. And that's what you want to see when you've got that type of opportunity is you set yourself up for success. UIC's good. They're a tough matchup for NKU because they're really athletic. But NKU played – they blitzed them to open the game, and they had a nice lead at halftime, and they are able to hang on from there. And then today against IUPY, who, again – is not a very good team. But just beat Wright State. But just beat Wright State, and they've had a few other interesting wins this year when you look at their, their schedule. You just take care of business in the first half, and you build up a big double-digit lead, and you're up by 20 for a lot of the second half, 15 to 20. So that's exactly what you wanted to see out of this team, especially when you go back two weeks ago when they you needed have some a help. close call at home against Milwaukee. You go to Wright State and don't play well and lose. And it's kind of like... Knowing what that game meant. Right, and it's kind of like, what's going on with the offense? Where's LeVon Holland? Where's Jordan Garnett? Those guys aren't, you know, those are kind of two of your big pieces there in that starting lineup. They're not playing as well as you'd expect them to. All of a sudden, they've got a chance to take care of business to control their own destiny and and all those guys step up. So they're going into the Horizon League tournament now playing their best basketball of the season. Yeah, and we mentioned, I, 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 I don't think this can be discounted, is the fact that they have clinched at the very minimum an NIT berth. That's what winning the regular season of, of all these leagues means, the mid-major leagues. I, I don't think you can discount that. So whatever happens, you go to the NCAA again, obviously that, that two years in a row is great. The minimum, you've done, you've done really what you need to do. You, you made the tournament last year, and now you've won a regular season title. You're going to the NIT at the very least with now playing with a little house money to go to the NCAA back-to-back years. That's a hell of a thing. That really is. Yeah, and it's almost a certainty that they would have been in the NIT as an at-large either way. But now to know you have it, you've clinched it, but also just getting a conference championship. Winning a conference championship, that matters, especially this early in the process for a team. When you think about last year, their first year of eligibility for the postseason, they win their conference tournament. This year, as, as one of the favorites in the league now, not coming from behind, not catching people off guard, they go ahead and they win the conference regular season. That's impressive. And still a young team. Yeah, I mean, that's the amazing thing about this is the core of that team last year were mostly freshmen and sophomores, and now they're sophomores and juniors, and it's still a very young team. Like, we haven't even seen them reach their their plateau yet of, of where this group can go um, since John Brandon has taken over. It's really impressive. How about – what's the deal with Dikembe Dixon and just, like, announcing he's leaving UIC that right after the last home game? That was bizarre. I, like NKU beats them Friday night, and immediately on Instagram, Dikembe Dixon sends it out saying, "I'm taking my talents elsewhere. That'll that'll be my last home game. See you guys." And UIC is playing really well. Yeah, I mean, has a chance to legitimately to win yeah, the conference the tournament. tournament. And this dude's just like, "By the way, I'm out. I've quit on you guys. I don't know how you feel about me." That's a wild deal. I I've never seen that. Um. When you look at this conference tournament last year, we saw all mayhem break loose, and it kind of helped NKU out. I just, 
I, I just think they're in such a good spot now because if it comes down to Wright State again, they'd have to beat NKU three times. I don't see that. I, and that wouldn't be till the finals. Yes, correct, correct. Um, Oakland's just a, is a dumpster fire, and I know what they've got. They just there's just nobody that scares me in in the league. Last year. Oakland was legit good. Valpo was legit good. Valpo was a monster last yes, year, correct, right? Correct. But then they lost their stud right before the right, conference yeah. tournament. Yeah. So yeah. that kind of changed the dynamic, certainly. But uh, NKU will get the winner of Youngstown State, Cleveland State in their first game in the tournament, which both those teams are trash, and right. they've handled them both. Um, so that doesn't concern me at all. And then the thing about Oakland is they still worry me because Kendrick Nunn is a really difficult guard for NKU. He better score 57. Jalen Tate is a little too thin to guard him, it seems like. He just doesn't have enough strength. And for whatever reason, LeVon just doesn't seem to be able to do it. So that, that dude's me. also been insanely hot Yes, when they played. No, like. without, without question. Um, but they've also lost Martez Walker. So that takes a nice athlete and scorer off the court that NKU doesn't have to think about him. It makes it a little bit easier for certain. They still worry me as a matchup. But they're playing so terribly right now right. and seem so dysfunctional that I'm not convinced they won't lose in the first round anyway. Correct. And NKU will never even have to see them. I mean, that's a legit possibility at this point. Yeah, they're not good right now. It's insane with the, the amount of talent they have for being in that league that they're not at least rolling through everybody but the other top two or three teams. Yeah, they're losing. To, they're losing to anybody. Like, randomly. I was talking to an AAU coach who coaches a Michigan team and, and has a few players actually playing, a few former Christian players. Christian Dawkins? Yeah, playing at <laughs> Oakland right now. And uh, he was trying to tell me, oh, you know, they're hurt now, they're injured, everything, they lost Martez. I'm like, they just lost him last week. They've been doing this stuff yeah. for a, a month and a they half, They lost three months. of their first four games in the conference. Yeah, like, this isn't a new thing. They're just dysfunctional. And, you know, I don't think Greg Campy's in any danger of losing his job because he's part of the institution basically there they love him and i don't think the expectations are all that high because they really don't pay their coach hardly anything right and i think they'll just chalk it up to injuries but man they have been a huge disappointment in this conference the last two years yeah and uh, the conference tournament actually begins on thursday uh, nku will not play until uh, the next day friday as you mentioned they play the winner of the eight nine seed game the semis you, then you're going s- up for a little uh, motor city madness no because i gotta go to new york later in the week i don't have enough off days Ooh, i gotta go to new york Listen, Mr. Private Plane, with the, with the not finding out where the liquor was until you land yeah, the guy. Re- relax. Was was relax. It was a bad call by me. Relax, eardrum. Just relax. I'm going to punch you right in the eardrum. <laughs> uh, but certainly, uh, kudos to NKU, though. I mean, that, that's a pretty that's a heck of a two-year run with still a lot more ahead. Yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff. Um, I, I'll ask you, this is probably neither here nor there. I mean, I, I know most places list the, 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 the Horizon winner as a 15 seed, no matter who it is. I'm not so sure NKU doesn't work its way into the 14 line. I really, whether it makes a difference or not, I don't know. No, but I know exactly. That could be a UC NKU. I was going to say, I know exactly right. where they're going to be seated. Whatever seed line UC is on, they'll correspond with that, is my guess. UC played on their floor this year. Yeah, that, that would literally. Be, yeah. and, and don't think for a second the committee puts any of that thought Never. in. Never. Oh, no. It's not all just at all. coincidence. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Uh, for Xavier, they did not play this weekend. They had the weekend off. But, but they won. But they won in a big way. Creighton beating uh, Villanova in overtime. And uh, it, it looked like I watched chunks of the game. A couple times it looked like Villanova was just about to put it away. They'd get up six. They'd get up eight. Suddenly Creighton would come back. They'd get up six. They never hit that kill shot. Never could. Never, never could. And and certainly for Xavier, nice way to sit back and watch. And now, guess what? You control your own destiny to win the league. And you win the league, which I think they do now, you are a one seed, period. And no matter what happens in New York. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think you are right about that. In fact, just even looking at it now, I mean, assuming they don't lose to DePaul, which... You which Marquette just happen. lost, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think Xavier's Marquette. No, I don't, um, I don't either. 
then uh, the Providence game, I mean, Providence isn't the best matchup for them, but that game's at home. It's on senior night, and they lost to them at Providence. It's hard for me to believe X is going to lose that game. Agreed. If it does happen, it changes things. But assuming they lose the or win these next two, which I, I would, I, I think they're locked into a one. I don't think it matters what happens in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, because I think now they're, they, they would be, what, the number two one seed moving moving maybe ahead of Villanova, even though Villanova's beat them twice. It would be close. It's close. I would don't be surprised if Kansas makes a huge jump. Yo, I I, well, I, I think Kansas is definitely on the one line. I don't think they jump ahead of of Nova or X right I, now. I just don't. Maybe, maybe not maybe. not yet. But if they're they're going to win out and win their conference tournament, probably, and it wouldn't surprise me entirely if they were like the number two two seed. I, I guess the scary part is seed. what what if Thank you. what if Duke runs the table completely and Xavier maybe goes out in the quarters. I'm just. Yeah, no, that's possible. I mean, then it'd probably be it'd come down to who do you want to. I, I don't think there's Xavier anybody. I mean, Auburn can't get to the one line. Purdue can't get back there. No. North Carolina can't get there. I don't think Michigan State can get there. I guess they they could if they ran the completely thing. They only have three losses, but they don't have enough really big time wins. I, um, I just don't think you can make Michigan State a one. I, I, I know. I, I've, I've tried. I'm trying to get serious, and I'm not telling you. I, well, I think they might be as good of, as any sure. team in the country. So I've tried to make them my one seed. I just can't. Logically, do it when you start looking at those numbers. So, don't say it. So no. as we sit here right now, it's it's four teams for 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 or five teams for four spots, and 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 really some of these are locked in. Virginia's locked in, so really not even that. Virginia, Nova, Xavier, Kansas, Duke. One of those teams is the odd team out. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But it, it would. But to me, again, this kind of does go back to that thing I was talking about earlier when we brought the whole could Xavier be a one seed up the first time. It's just it still is a little hard for me to believe the committee is going to put two Big East teams as one seeds. And, I agree, and, and, and it's really weird because if Xavier wins, let's say Xavier wins the league, and they get to the finals, and Nova does, maybe Nova goes out in the semis, for example. Are you not going to make Nova one? Seed? I know that's, that's hard that, to that, believe. I, no, no, I, I'm just giving you a scenario, though. No, I, I know, I agree with you. I've thought that exact thing. It's just it's hard to make it work in because your head. Nova, like, I, well, Nova is is better than Xavier. They've yes. proven it. Yeah. Period. And End of story. Great resume. That's one of those ones you just look and you go, I don't need any of your, all your silly numbers. I don't need anything else you tell me. Silly I don't need to numbers. Look at, I don't need to look at any of your analytics. I know what I saw on the floor. Okay? And the, and the scoreboard in two places, in your place and their place, prove they're not just better, they're significantly better. I, Couldn't agree I, more. I guess that's where you start looking at some of this stuff and it makes your eyes water because it can make you crazy. Yeah, I, I mean... I, I still I, I have a hard time seeing outside of a loss to DePaul how X doesn't end up on yes, the one line. I, I I think they solidify it if they finish this off and win the regular season Big East championship, especially yeah. where they are right now. But Rick's right in that giving two Big East teams a one seed, especially I think, is going to be if difficult du- if to Duke do. Duke wins out and wins the ACC title, unless that's on, is that on a Sunday. Is that on Selection Sunday? It usually is. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Um. But let's just say they get to the title game of the ACC. That, but yeah. they would have solidified whatever. And now, solidified. and now Bagley's back, right? And Grayson Allen has actually woke up and started playing well. And it's Duke. Yeah, to me, to me, I feel like Duke and Kansas both control their own destiny for a one seed. If they win the rest of the way out, they're absolutely going to be with one Xavier. Seeds. Xavier Nova is the odd team out. One of them have to be. Yeah, because Virginia will be the other one seed. So one doesn't win the Big East turn or Big Big East regular season or. That's the hard part. That's I don't know part. how you differentiate because I agree. Clearly, Villanova is the better team. If Xavier wins the Big East, what does that mean? I And then how much do they factor in the conference tournament, which in the past hasn't seemed like much? Here's also another interesting thing we haven't talked about with them. How much do they toss out the losses without Phil Booth? 
Although Phil Booth was back Saturday, he was. But they've got. I, know, I think you, they've got two losses. I think two of the losses came without with, Phil Booth. without I, him. I so do they? Right. Do they look at those losses differently? Do they say I would that think. wasn't a full team? So we have them ahead of Xavier, even though Xavier. I don't know. I. I, think I still you, think X has to be a one. Wait, but I think you've got to have Villanova ahead of Xavier. Like yeah. That's the thing. If, if Xavier is a one seed, then I think Villanova also has to be a one seed, and that part is hard to rectify. It is. It is. Um, but maybe... Wrecked him. Nearly killed him. Maybe Duke or, Mich- or, uh, Duke or Kansas have a bad loss or have a loss. Between period now and then. Yeah, yeah, that, take, that helps and take care it of easy. itself. Yeah, yeah. That, that would make it easy, but it also might make it hard if they don't have that circumstance. Yep. Um, Kentucky working its way up. Third straight win for them and, and manhandled Missouri and did it with six guys in double figures. Big game That's from the Kevin Knox. Part. Yeah, they, but, but we've talked about it. It feels like they've, They've started they found a rotation. It took, them, it took them two weeks later than Rick expected to finally start to get their stuff together, get their act together. Yeah, they found a, a, a lineup that works. They found a lineup that that matches and start, start complements. Start each other. Nick Richards. Start Wenyan Gabriel. Get them out quickly, and and Wenyan Gabriel becomes a spot up shooter, and and you bring your other guys off the bench that are contributing. Vanderbilt, PJ Washington. I mean, it, it's, Dennis Rodman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Vanderbilt. Yes. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It is. He's he's I meant to like look, I expected him to be. Shame really, on me. I was going to look. Keep talking. I'm going to look I, at the number of rebounds and the number. Let of me minutes. talk. Hang on. I'm going to look at the number Jesus. of dozen number of minutes for him. Go ahead. <laughs> I expected him to be a really good rebounder, Rick. I I vastly underestimated him. Like I expected him to be really good. He is unbelievable going after the and, ball. And he yeah. scored I, a little bit. Well, I mean, both you and Snow were vehemently against the idea when I said he could make a difference. And you guys were like, no, no, because he's what they already have. It's like, yes, but some of those guys aren't playing well. So if you get one of what you already have, but he's actually good... That will help you. That will make a difference. His limitations have been his limitations, but he has overcome it by being ungodly good on the glass. Yes. I mean, but he was a top... He was like a five-star yeah, recruiter. Like there was a reason to believe he and could make a difference. Like I said, I loved him as a rebounder. I just didn't think he was going to be like Dennis Rodman. Yeah. That takes it from your impact level being medium to all of a sudden now, and it looks like it's kind of been a little contagious. Like, those guys I saw are, the same are thing feeding off of him. Yeah, I totally agree. It feels like just his energy and seeing him constantly, like, jump over top of guys and tip balls away and stuff has Kevin Knox all of a sudden in there doing that a little bit more. And Hamadou Diallo actually gave them great minutes yesterday. He was, he was, he was not terrible yesterday. Now, now, he was knocking down threes, which, which you yeah, can't rely on going exactly. forward. But... It, he needs to take that same confidence and energy level, regardless of whether he's hitting shots, and play like that because his strength isn't his skill anyways. Right. It's the energy and the athleticism. If he keeps that same motor, he's an effective piece for them and can really help them down the stretch because of his length, versatility, and athleticism. And as we've talked about, Green and Alexander are by far their best combination at the guards. Without without question. That, that combination is starting to look good. Quade Green's starting to play with the same – um, poise and speed and tempo that he did at the high school level where he just controlled games yeah. in the open court and setting guys up and stuff like that. We hadn't seen that part of him at the college level yet. He always seemed a little sped up. We're starting to see him look like the confident kid that he was in high school, and that'll help them. Yeah, and I think you know everybody points to you know Cal's teams need time. This one was a little bit different because I don't think it was a matter of his stars were on the floor, and they just needed time to come together. One, the Vanderbilt injury obviously had a greater impact than than we would would have known at that point. And two, he didn't have the right lineup on the floor, even with Vanderbilt out. 
he didn't have the right lineup on the floor. And now he does. The fix. The fix. Yeah. The the solution. I finally got to his numbers. He's played 197 minutes in 12 games. 16.4 game. 197 minutes. Has 93 rebounds. Kentucky's leading rebounder on the season is Kevin Knox at 5.4 a game. Kevin Knox has 157 rebounds in 942 minutes. (laughs) That is absurd. (laughs) So so let me just do the math. So roughly, let's just multiply Vanderbilt's times five. He would have, in the minutes that Kevin Knox has played this year, he'd have roughly 450 rebounds, which is 300 more than Kevin Knox. That's insane. Yeah, it is. I mean, you're you're talking about he's averaging a, a half a rebound a minute played. So over a forty-minute game, he's a twenty-rebound game, a twenty-rebound guy. Well, and he can also guard from the five to the three. Right, right. Um, he when he grabs those offensive, the, the defensive rebounds, he can break out, dribble, and start to break himself because he can handle the ball and pass. And he get, hits the offensive glass and gets you second well, opportunity. That's the funny part. Offensive rebound wise on the season, the team leaders PJ Washington with fifty-one in seven hundred eighty-three minutes. Then Wenyan Gabriel's grabbed fifty, and then tied for third already. Jared Vanderbilt with 39 offensive rebounds. He's averaging three offensive rebounds a game in 16 minutes a game, for goodness sakes. Yeah, and so what's Gary average? Gary's averaging, what, three, probably three offensive rebounds a game? Around there, yeah. Which is a good number. I'm not crapping. It's a good number. It's a very good number. This guy's averaging it in 16 minutes a game. Yeah, and and, it's, and even when he's not getting the offensive rebound or a stick back, tipping he's tipping it, balls right. and keeping them alive and banging into guys. He's just so active. He's really changed the attitude of their team, and the, the, the whole team is playing with more energy no and doubt. toughness. No doubt. No doubt about it. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get to, to Sean Miller, the story from Friday, where uh, he is alleged to have been hurt on a wiretap, um, offering a hundred thousand dollars or to take over the payments from uh, Christian Dawkins for a recruit. Um, I think we caution on Friday with all of this stuff. There is a grain of salt, and there is a burden of proof that has to be done, other than just seeing names on a ledger, or even in this case, hearing that Sean Miller's caught on a wiretap. If he is, he's done. Right, if he is, yeah, we still don't know for hundred. I mean, he's been very. I think he's he's been not vehement denying it, but he's denied it, and I don't think you deny it. If you know you're on a wiretap and somebody has that recording and has that wiretap, you're done. You're done. I mean, what 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 are you trying to tap dance around if that's the case? But if it's not the case, and then you'd argue, well, why why did he not coach? So he didn't want to be distracted. I get that. You're trying See, to see. I, I still think that's. A, I mean, I guess that's what it is. But I think you it don't, was. But you don't think changing the head coach, putting Lorenzo Romar in charge of your team, having all the talk going on with his background and everything, you don't think that's going to be just as much of a distraction if you're not there? I mean, they're reporting on it throughout the entire game. Where is he? Is he flying home on the team jet? No, he's not going to be. I mean that that was a distraction of him not being there as much as anything. So. In, in some ways, I thought it was weird to not have him coach, but then also say, I'm innocent well, and I'll be I, vindicated. I, if that had been a home game, maybe he would have coached, as opposed to what you were going to put up with. But he fans. was already there. I know. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, Oregon's going to heckle you for cheating. Well, they, they yeah. all had 100 grand bars. So what? Who cares? I, I, I'm just trying Oregon to why he didn't. is going to heckle you I, for I, I, cheating. I'm with you, Phil Knight. The, the, their students apparently didn't get the irony because they were heckling. Um, I, I thought it was a, kind of a crazy move for Oregon, but all right. So, so what do we? I, I guess that that's the part we talked about on Friday. Is is if you ever tied a coach to this, that's the downfall of it. Um, obviously Kentucky vetted Kevin Knox, whether they're right or wrong, they they at least vetted it. Uh, Michigan State vetted um, vetted Miles Bridges and decided he was they were they were okay with his eligibility. The only two out were Eric Davis of Texas, yep. and the dude at what San Diego. 
Oh, I didn't even see that one. Okay. There was one other one that is escaping my brain right now. But there was there was two guys that were held out. Yeah, that so, was it. So, and I, I go back to what we talked about on Friday. I, I just I don't know a what the end game is with this unless you were able to tie a coach to it, and I just don't know how you're going to tie a bunch of coaches. And just because there's names on a ledger, yeah, and yeah, and people got I got backlash for saying that on on the last thing that you know anyone can come up with an Excel spreadsheet with sure. names and numbers on it, and I'm not saying it's fake because obviously you uncover something that detailed. Off of you, but, you, but it doesn't you mean- seized a computer. It's not like you randomly got this fed to you, okay? Right. So I understand it's not like this was made up after the, the fact. But we're talking about Christian Dawkins, a known fraud. This is a guy who has ran up over $40,000 of fraudulent Uber charges on one of his clients before in the NBA. Like, he's done weird things like this before. So you write in a ledger, I had lunch with Jim. I had lunch with Fred. And I had lunch with Ted. When you didn't, you're just trying to figure out... Here's where all the money's going, Chief. Well, and it's not to say he didn't have the lunch, which also is perfectly legal. It's not to say he didn't try to have lunches or meetings with these people or try to give them certain things. But at the end of the day, he could very well be writing some of this stuff off. And I'm, I highly doubt all of it's fake. But I, there I, is a, I agree with you. But there is a part of me that could see, you know what? He, he was writing off something that he said he was doing so he could get the money. Yes. For himself. Absolutely. That wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility here. Now... That whole situation that happened early on Friday is completely different yeah, from, from what Will. we heard about Sean Miller, which, again, like you said, I'm a little leery of the fact that we haven't heard any of the recording. I think that's sealed with FBI investigation, but it's a little weird to not. Here's the red flag for me. Where does all of this stuff come from? It's come from the FBI for the most part. Well, uh, what? ESPN? No. Well, Yahoo. Yahoo. Yeah. All of a sudden, ESPN now... Like that egg doesn't on, egg on face. It doesn't fit the the timeline of things. It it doesn't feel right because Forty and Pat Forty and Pete Thamel have been the ones that have done everything in terms of and this. You, and whether you agree with the documentation or not, they do have the documentation. Correct. And that's the other part. Where, did we hear a wiretap? Is there a transcript? Well, I say whether you heard it or not, I would think there'd be a transcript of some kind. Wouldn't the transcript be released if there was a transcript? Like, yeah, if ESPN had that, they absolutely would have put it out. So now they don't have a transcript. I, I would, they don't have the yeah, audio. This. I'm not sure. I report that if I don't have a transcript of it, unless you're here. feeling incredible pressure because Yahoo continues to scoop you. Well, and if you there, do, there's got to be an editor up the line that helps dude, say put put the brakes on that. Really? At ESPN, you think so? Yeah, I do think so. I, I would, I would, I would expect it to be. I would keep a very close eye on this. Yeah, no, I don't. I I just well, would keep a very close Sean eye on Miller this. Sean Miller has denied it, right? And again, right. If, if you if, if you are, are one, yeah. there ain't no denying, man. That's you. That's you saying this. That's you saying something illegal. That's we got you. Right? The first time around, there was there was transcripts of what those I mean, wiretaps. Rick and I, I talked to Rick. I, I said he's dead. He's done. Remember, he's coach done. Coach Six and and, and right. Coach, those were caught. And those we were, got what those, was said. Yeah, we got the transcript from those wiretaps. Where is this transcript? Quickly, not not the day after, but it was pretty quickly. It's quick. Yeah, they, within a couple days. I don't. The ESPN doesn't have it. That raises a huge red flag to me. We'll see. I. I'm yeah, not, it's hard to point the finger either way right now. I'm not by any but, stretch of the imagination defending Sean Miller, but something seems off. And I wouldn't be... Something seems off. And it wouldn't surprise me if Sean Miller was caught up in stuff like this. Absolutely. Like, that's, not, uh, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just interested in why things are coming out the way they are. Yeah. And, and why all of a sudden ESPN that didn't have anything 
for two weeks on this as stuff keeps continuing to leak out through Forty and Thamel. ESPN has had nothing. And then all of a sudden they have this, but they don't have audio. They don't have transcript. They don't have anything that, that tells us what was what's the, the transgression, what's the action, like what what was said, what happened. Because if you look at the dates, the date that this wiretap supposedly happened, DeAndre Ayton was already on campus, enrolled as a student at the University of Arizona. Yeah, the only thing I would say to that part is, just to play the devil's advocate, is if you'd come up with some level of payment plan, that still means you may have to honor that payment plan too, even if he's enrolled at school. If All you right. were dealing with someone that was involved with DeAndre Ayton, yes, Christian Dawkins had no affiliation with DeAndre Ayton like it just doesn't add up it's not it's it, it's not the the timeline of this like the timeline of the the stuff from Yahoo it all makes sense like we don't agree with it and we think that they've got a long way to go to be able to prove sure. any of that stuff but it all adds up like right. it, it, it's black and white we understand and we're able to make an opinion based on what we know with this Sean Miller stuff I don't think we know anything yet I don't know. I, at, at the same time, I mean, it's a heck of, You're sticking your neck out there in the biggest way if you're ESPN right now. Yeah. So you sure as hell feel better feel really confident uh, uh, in your sourcing no and the information you've received. I'm just because anxious to see how it plays out. You're you're ruining a guy's career if this is, if you're right. Yeah, because e- even if, if Sean's vindicated and ends up suing and however this goes down... People are still going to look at him weird. Yeah. People are still going to whisper about him weird. People are still going to negative recruit against him. If he has a job. And if that, yeah. And if this stuff did happen, which we may very well find out, there may be proof, he deserves all of that. He deserves not, no not to be coaching anymore. He deserves to never and, coach again. And also, I will like I know Xavier people are worried about this, but it is what it is. Like there's no If he did this, there's no reason to think he just started doing shady right. things in his, you know, in, down the line. He got Arizona. to Arizona and went... Let's cheat. People want to say, oh, the pressure was just too much. It got to him. And, no. I mean, he had Book Richardson on his staff at Xavier, too. And I know people will say, well, then why weren't they recruiting better? But there's still a fairly competitive market, even for three stars. You yeah. know, even like kids right outside the top 100. You might not be paying 100 grand, but. But you might be getting them new pairs of shoes, or, you know, Book might be taking care of them, or Christian Dawkins might be taking care of someone, whatever. Here's a car for your parents while you're, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of ways that. That the bread gets made. Right. And and it's entirely possible something like that may have happened in the past, and that should be looked into or whatever else. I just... People get so worked up about this stuff, and I get it because other fans are going to ridicule you for the end of time about your program being dirty, but my thing would just be like, who cares? What do you honestly care? How is it going to impact you? It's the integrity it, of college sports. Did it, did it, did it, I am a believer in that part of it, but, I, but as a fan of a program... There's never been me. any. No, but as a fan of it, it doesn't impact me. I mean, it really... I mean, but, it, but let's say one of Sean Miller's players while he was at Xavier got... We find out he his parents got a car, or he got a couple pairs of Jordans, or something like that, right? An impermissible benefit be, because they were trying right. to keep him happy at Xavier. You feel, you, you feel worse about that Elite Eight right now? Like, does that, does that change your opinion? No, you had fun. You enjoyed it, and you didn't care then. You don't care now. You were only bothered by the fact that the other fans fans you were at Dana Gardens yeah. and Rick Browning put a phone in front of your face and you cussed me out. And well, yeah, that was that was a little more recent, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> but no, that, that I, I think that's the the point of it is, is if another fan look another fan base is gonna gonna pick on you because it's just what they do. You know what? 
if, if your life is that shallow that that bothers you that much find another hobby of some kind some man. people it bothers them that much it does i mean they lose their minds about this stuff and it's just it, my, my thing is this people let, let me, let, can, I can, put I, it, can i help people with this who cares what people think of you can i can i just put it in context yes please there's like more than a thousand people roughly that pay the two of us yes for information and we're idiots. Oh, there's no doubt. Well, That's you're idiots. Point. I think you're idiots. So, and I'm I'm like I'm Switzerland in this. I think you're both idiots. So I, I do too. Like I, I'm agreeing with you. And people pay their good hard earned money for our knowledge and idiocy. That's how fanatical sports fans are. I, I, I get the fanaticism. You have a job. You've been employed your whole life in this town. I, I get the fanaticism. I've just never, you know. I, I went to Kentucky. I. I'm not anti Louisville. I live in Cincinnati. I'm not anti UC or Xavier. I, I just, I, I just, I guess I've never had that level of fandom in well, anything I, I've ever been around. I just, I enjoy that. I'm fine with hating each other, having rivalries, and wanting to rip yeah. each other. But like the fact that people are like, oh, I'm sick to my stomach over this. Like it's going to, I'm losing actual, sleep at yeah, night. Like you're actually going to have your life impacted because UC fans are going to make fun of you now. Yeah, no, they've already been doing that. Right. They've been telling you you don't have a Final Four for the last however long since they've won one. What do you care? Fair Honestly, enough. like that's the fun part of it. And I also, you know, we were talking about the Olympic model, right? And allowing players to make some money. Off their likeness, yes. And people were upset about that and saying, well, wait, there's no way to police that. Then they'll be making hundreds of thousand dollars because a big donor will... will that's what the that. donor that's wants to the pay donor them? wants to pay them? Good, go for it. Who that's their worth. cares? And then, then it's like, well, then the, the haves and the have-nots will even be a bigger separation. Have you looked at the 2018 recruiting class? Duke has number one, number two, number three. You know who's going to get number four, five, six, seven? Cal. Kansas Kentucky. and Kentucky. Yeah. The, the gap is already there. It's not yeah. changing. In fact, when we see a highly rated guy go to Washington or LSU, Alabama. let's just say, or that's Alabama, flag. that's when we start wondering. No NC State. So it, the separation is already there. It doesn't, it hasn't impacted, and guess what? These guys have been getting paid for a long time. Hasn't impacted your love for the game. Hasn't impacted how much you, you just enjoy didn't know about team. it. You, well, and even if you did, you were okay because it wasn't out in the public. I mean, like, think about Anthony Davis, and I, I still don't know. I don't think that story's been proven, but there was that story that his family took $200,000. UK fans, did you really not enjoy your national championship? Hey, guess you were what? worried about that? Anthony Davis was worth every penny of $200,000. <laughs> Absolutely. No it's not your money. Uh, what, what do you care? I'm not a big Bill Simmons guy that much anymore, but what was his tweet last night? DeAndre Ayton, if, that, if that's 100 if Oh, the way you, he played? You yeah. only had to pay $100,000 yeah. for that? Like He was a monster. He, he, that's it? He came out like he needed to prove himself. He was like, oh, let me let me show you what I, why I was worth it. Yeah. He put on a show, even though the, they lost. That's that In a free market enterprise, that dude... Is worth a hell of a lot more than $100,000 for one season. Well, and that's the funny thing. A lot of these players and the fans are going to realize smart businessmen with tons of money, even big boosters of a program who are fanatics as well, they don't make too many terrible investments. All these players aren't going to be worth what they right. think they're worth. Right. It's right. only going to be a select yes. few getting those big paydays. That's why I said the third string guard on South Carolina's football team ain't going to make with the quarterback at Alabama or whatever. It just it's that's the way the market's going to work. I mean, I, I don't care about Luis Johnson, the, the 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 third string guard. He's not going to come out to my car wash. But if the starting quarterback is and he's going to make an appearance, I'm going to pay him for it, right? Because people are going to come want to see him. The Heisman running back is yes. coming out. Yeah, going to get a lot of money, and he should be paid accordingly. Well, and that's the other thing. A lot of people have brought up the point that hockey, 
in NCAA hockey, you're allowed to sign with an agent. Baseball as well. College and, and baseball. What's the difference between football and basketball and baseball and hockey? Can't put my finger on it. Hmm. One, one, one has melanin own, ratio. One has the well. One has their own farm system already, where the other ones really don't. Two of those sports look like a right state huddle. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. There is that. Yes. That's tip for Rick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, that's a very good point. And I, I just the the whole. I like your the hands. Ba- I think the that. baseball models. A, a great baseball model, model never work in, in basketball. Maybe not, but it allows you the choice after high school to go pro. It allows you the choice after year one. Doesn't allow you the choice again after year three, and then suddenly that's about the the stage. You know what happens a lot in baseball? Where your leverage is gone. You know, you only need two years in junior college before you can go. Yeah. So what happens is, if a guy has a huge freshman year, transfers to a he junior does. college for his second year. There's ways around the, the baseball are, model. I don't, I don't like the baseball, like the baseball model. I, I don't like Just let high school kids go to the NBA. Yes, but that's, that's an NBA thing. Or, and, and they know. Or go to the D-League. Or let them have agents in college. Because here's the thing. And, and and what people will say, well, agents will still give them advances. Yes, who cares? Let them. But they're not going to give the ninth guy or 10th guy or 11th guy significant money because he's going to realize quickly, that guy ain't going to make me a nickel when he turns pro because he's not going to turn pro. And if he does... He's going to be in Lithuania for $2,000 a month. Or he's going to be playing at the Y. You'll see exactly what was on Christian Dawkins' ledger. The, the, the that will be legit. Sure. They'll be taking care of guys that they're trying to sign. Let them sign with them. Let them have a meal paid for. Let them Let an agent buy them shoes. Does that really outrage anybody? Honestly, do you really care? And here's the thing that, that people have to realize: if you think this makes it widespread, this is one, one runner, guy, right? Not not one agency, one, one runner, runner for an agent for one agent, and not a great one, and not a great one. A guy that most people in the in the industry considered a clown in Dawkins, and there wasn't a whole lot of people unless he was getting you guys that had a lot good to say about Andy Miller. Oh, no question. And I think that's what you saw in Chris Mack's statement. Whether you agree with it or not, I think that's what Chris Mack was trying to insinuate is, look, we think this dude is a clown. We didn't want him anywhere near our program. Right. Whether he did or not, you know, who knows, but we certainly didn't want it happening. I, I When this all, and his name is one that you heard. Oh, yeah. But I didn't know the extent of, like, how much disdain there was for this guy outside of the handful of coaches that he was in bed with. And most programs knew, keep that clown away from your kids. And for the record, I don't think that's because he does things dirty. I think that's because they know he's a fraud and a clown who has yeah. done bad things to his clients before. Because right. a bunch of these schools are still working with dirty agents and runners. So I don't think but that was yeah. the issue that but made I, him I, a clown. I think no. In case of if they're taking care of your kids and you know they're going to take care of your kids in the right way, then yeah, I'll, I'll look the other way. If you know right. the guy's dirty and he's not going to take care of your kid the right way, then no, I don't want you around. Uh, we've been at, we always get asked, you know, when you talk with buddies or you're out having drinks with people or whatever, and they start talking about the AAU stuff. They ask you, well, who's dirty? Who cheats? Yeah. I always tell them, everyone. Just go yes. All 352 yes. or whatever teams it is. No matter what, there is something. Now every team will tell you they don't cheat because in their mind they've justified whatever they're doing. Maybe it's they have GAs practice during their practices, which isn't allowed. Maybe it's they feed their kids stuff they're not allowed to feed them. They they give them trips. Whatever it is, they have them go hang out with a booster during the summer to keep them out of trouble when they're not allowed to provide them with that. Any different stuff like that, there's all types of little illegal things that programs do and look the other way. And I just say, 
you, I don't know where you draw the line. I think most people think of cheating as paying players to get them to come direct to their school. Cash, yeah, direct cash money. And I get that. That is a little bit different of a thing, but it's just so hard to start drawing the line. And it's like, if you're willing to do, if you're willing to break certain rules, how do we know when you draw the line? You know, how do we know which rules you decide not to break? And so that's why I just say, like, pretty much everyone cheats in some form or fashion. All right, you got a final take? Or was that pretty much it for everybody? Chad Brendel? Um, the Gary Clark legacy? I mean, it's it speaks for itself. I mean, the guy's going to finish top 20 in scoring, top five in rebounds up there. I think right the only guys that are going to be ahead of him in blocks, I believe, are Kenyon and Maxiel and Hicks. It's pretty good. Um, just a, an awesome legacy. Uh, actually, I'll say... It, it, but it, but it is funny. It's just we thought it's just been such a quietly efficient that's career. That's him. Where it, it, it's, it's quietly like, efficient. I, I mean, you put it in perspective the other day the number of guys in, in school history that have gone a thousand, a thousand. I yeah, mean, it's it, the line isn't very long, and, and, and the they've got a pretty there. damn storied yes. basketball history. Uh, to do what he's done and to do it in the manner he's done it is is awesome. He, he's a great dude. It's been awesome having him around. Uh, and also, you know, don't forget Kyle Washington because I know Gary gets all the love, but Kyle's been a pretty important part of two good teams. Th- these two past two teams as well. And, you know, I think he, because. Well, honestly, think about this year's team without him. Yeah. Not good. Still good, but not. No, I mean, like, it would. They would. The front look, court would be they a would look a lot different. Like, the front I think court would be an issue. You would see Gary at the five and then playing four guards, or you'd see yeah, Trey Scott. Like, yeah, something forced. That they would not look as good as they look right now without Kyle Washington. So I know everybody gives the love for Gary. Um, I also give a lot of love to Kyle as well because he's been uh, a very important part of this program since coming over from NC State, even though he's been yelled at more than any kid I've ever seen yelled at in my entire life. Yeah. He, probably because it's he takes it. Like he just, and deservedly so in some you know, cases. In some cases. Yeah. Probably right. Oh, my. All right. How about for you? You got one? I do want to get your guys' opinion on this. One of the unintended consequences of all this stuff, specifically pertaining to Xavier and Edmund Sumner, do you think this impacts how interested a school like Louisville would be in Chris Mack at all? A school like Louisville who's facing all this stuff. Normally, I don't think it would matter at all. It wouldn't even be on yeah. the radar. No one would care. They'd just be like, whatever. I don't because I think those in the know know unless you directly tie Chris Mack to this, and I, he's not going to be, and, and I'm not saying that, that he somehow is evading this. It's, it's just this has nothing to do with him. I think I think any program of that has any set of smarts knows that, that – I know what you're saying. It's the perception it's of it. It's just optics. Totally it's the optics. perception of it. And he's a disciple of Sean Miller, who is now caught up in all of this. There is the, like, there's, here's the thing. I think it only I, I takes one or sins, two. The sins of the father, but in this case. It just I, I think just from take, Louisville's perspective. I think it only takes one or two decision makers at the top for Louisville to be like, ah, I'm apprehensive. The difference is it's Louisville and they don't give a damn. That is absolutely well. They the haven't. Truth. I think they do moving forward. I think they, they will to. tell you to your face they do. Oh, I think you'll see a lot different. Attitude. I disagree. I don't. Oh, I do. I think you'll see a lot different attitude. You think them. Louisville's going to clean it up? Really? I do. I, I honestly, I do. I really do. I couldn't disagree more. They have done nothing. Nothing. Not just it. It's not like I, the rest of the university is pristine and the athletic department had run amok. Everyone ran amok. The president. No doubt. Faculty. Cheerleaders. The foundation. The foundation. 
the whole Shane Bahannon, the whole <laughs> had to fit that in. <laughs> the whole nine yards ran amok. I don't think there's any way that they go. Well, now, now we just can't have that anymore. And I, I think it's a, I think it's a reach to think that this would impact their decision about Chris. But at the same time, because I agree with Chad that they don't care. I think it will be all about optics. It'll be all about on the outside looking crystal clear. But at the end of the day, they have to win. Like yeah. they absolutely have to win at the highest level. No question about that. And that, that. guy down sixty four does not make it easy because no. Cal is not going to stop winning. No, I mean your hope is Cal has a handful more years and you start to rebuild. That's what. That's the, what's the one part of taking this job is um, based on what's still looming for them and, and things that are going to be thrown their way. They, but that's why you can walk in there and tell them, yes. I need eight, eight years, years, correct? Ten years at five and a half, six million dollars, or I'm walking out. Yes. And that's my guess. If they're getting a, a big time coach, my guess is it's like a 10 year, $50 million deal at with least. a huge yeah. buyout. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's going Your to be a question's an interesting one. I, I just, I think this is so my, I think if you'd have seen, all right. He couldn't go to Arizona if, if Sean is gone. They yeah, couldn't bring yes the guy that the sins of the Sean's fire. protege. Like you couldn't bring him to now. Would Arizona have otherwise been interested? Probably. Yeah, but no. But I, you're right. They 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 couldn't take him out of Arizona. The, the Louisville one is just interesting because that's that's been the job. If for some that's the one that if, everybody's gone yet. If for some reason this ends up being what keeps Chris Mack at Xavier, like. What, which like Xavier fans should be say praying. thank you Edmund Sumner and yeah. Father. They should be praying for an. For an investigation to hit Xavier's program this spring. Because if that happens, and for some hey, reason he ends up knocking the Louisville the Indiana job, State Police brought Trayvon Blewett back, man. <laughs> that would be the most lucky thing for Xavier fans in the world. Would you pull your pants down at a bar? I wouldn't. I, I think there might be some Xavier fans that would. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> players. Interesting fans. question. I, I, I don't think it would factor in, though. I just don't. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know it's for just, sure. I don't know for sure. I I just with Louisville, I I can't believe that all of a sudden they're gonna they're gonna be the 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 moral high ground. I totally agree, but I almost think that makes it more likely that they would say no to him because they won't be the moral high ground, but they will be all caught up in just the optics of being squeaky clean. Now, here's the big question: Is when Sean Miller, if he gets fired from Arizona again, we don't know where this thing goes. Oh, Duquesne's gonna be a powerhouse in five years, dude. Or Pitt. <laughs> Pitt, you could absolutely take him. That. They, that was going to be my – I don't have a final take off, but I've got the one. One of 22 and seven points for an NCAA Division One college basketball team and a half in the shot clock era. It's impossible. Me, Pitts, you. Pittsburgh did it. Rick, Jed, and Allie. Allie. And Allie. Out. Allie get 10. Yeah. <laughs> we get, she scored 1,000 points in high school. She did. I know. We get, Allie get 10. Whenever we get in the basketball she's argument. A Pittsburgh, yeah, she's a Pittsburgh native. Yeah. It'd be big for you. Whenever we get in the basketball argument with Allie, her, her stance is – I've out, I've scored more points than you. Thousand point, thousand points is a thousand points. She's not wrong. She's, She's not, not wrong. wrong. Skinny won a national championship. That's right. So we've we've got two up. The other night we're in Dickman's at the uh, John Brandon coaches show. John Brandon calls out Hall of Fame coach Kenny Shields and another coach Richard Skinner in here, and like the whole place stood up and like clapped for them. They, I think it was more for Coach Shields. I'm just guessing. But he included you in that, which was which just was very a nice, crazy move by John. Brandon. Very nice, nice. It was lunacy. It was lunacy. Had he been drinking? No. no! 
Hey, you been drinking. Yes, I am. <laughs> so we meant to do it. Maybe we heard it wrong. Maybe that's what it was. We heard it wrong. No, we didn't. Trust me. I was not very happy about the situation. Hey, much respect to Coach Brandon. That's all I can say. Yeah, well, real coaches just recognize real. That's so exactly right. Real recognize real. That's exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. All right, fellas. Appreciate it much. We'll be back uh, midweek with another podcast as we inch closer towards conference tournament time and certainly selection Sunday, actually two weeks from this very podcast. So we got we got lots. Literally, of like right now. Right now, two weeks as we get done with this. All right, boys, thanks very much. For Chad Brendel of Bearcat Journal, Rick Boring of Musketeer Report, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for joining us on this edition of the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. Hey.